six, we be in the mix with that rare candy paint job on the whip. I need food for the kids, money for the rent. Fuck a lockdown, baby, I can't do that shit. And I don't never vote, cause I'm fucking broke. And either way, I know the police ain't gon' leave me alone. On a plane by the visit, land rock, need crypto. Told me I should bring the Glock with me, so I packed up my piece and I'm sliding. Cause we might get caught up in a riot. Middle finger Trump, middle finger Biden. Fuck a left, fuck a right, is you riding? Ain't no politics, baby, we just talking From the birds to the bricks, we be in the mix With that rare candy paint job on the whip, who you with? Special guest here today, um, we have Joe Gallenberger. Uh, I'm gonna do an intro, but I want I want uh, my co-host Sai to to talk about uh, how you how you stumbled upon him because uh, his name is Joe Gallenberger. He's a PhD. You're, you're Dr. Joe Gallenberger, right? Yep, Dr. Joe works or Joe, either one. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Well, it helps our credentials if we say the doctor part. So, you know, you part the Monroe Institute, you're an author. Um, and, you know, Sai, I just would love to know how you stumbled upon him first before we start talking to him. Yeah, I, uh, I watched, I think the first interview I saw with you was on Jeffrey Mishlove's show which is a cool, he's a really cool guy. Yeah. I recommend that channel to anyone. Tons of great Psy uh, guests and everything that, you know, the whole the whole crew, you know, the whole gang is in that show, you know, I, I would say. Mm -hmm. And I listened to yours and I, I don't know, it just came up and I just really felt something, not to sound weird, or anything, it felt something different about your energy, you know, that was really cool. And you were talking about Psy um, with relating to like doing Vegas stuff, which I thought was interesting. And I knew Glenn would be interested in that. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then I read uh, Liquid Luck. I still have to read Inner Vegas. Um, really mm -hmm. loved Liquid Luck. And then I started doing the um, the Liquid Luck uh, audio meditation that you mm -hmm. that you put out. And I, I'm I'm not a big audio guided meditation guy. Most of the time when I'm listening to one, I'm like, this is dumb. Like I don't want to be doing this, you know. And for years, it, I just really took to it. And I was just I just put it on before bed, you know, like a couple nights a week, and. Mm -hmm. I've had some interesting things happen, you know, that are really interesting and it really puts me in a zone. And I think you, because of your Monroe uh, background, you really understand the the binaural beats and a lot of people use that, but they don't really know how they're using it. Right. And um, so anyway, so yeah, you seem to really know what you're doing and you've been, you're a veteran in this space. Um, anything else you want to tell about yourself uh, biographically before we dig in? Uh, no, so just, you know, reiterating them. Um, I've uh, been a trainer at Monroe Institute for over 30 years now. Yeah. And I had a clinical psychology practice as a psychologist for about the same amount of time. And um, I used the stuff within clinical practice for relaxing and anxiety and depression, those kind of things. But uh, my main interest became uh, looking at how to take the highest energies of spirit, if you will, Yep. and uh, bring him into physical to affect physical matter reality. Uh, so that could be growing um, seeds in your hand. We've had root growth yep. of an inch and a half in two minutes. Yeah. Um, lighting light bulbs with your energy. We've had measured 400 volts off my hands during mm -hmm. that. Uh, bending metal and then like you mentioned uh, working with dice and slot machines yeah. at uh, sometimes as much as uh, 1.6 billion to one by chance yeah. uh, in terms of results. So I've been to a lot of university labs as well as a subject in PK or psychokinesis and um, 
I think it's real important now um, because what we find is the energy of love is what makes this thing go best. Mm -hmm. And there's uh, the biggest blanket over love is fear mm -hmm. in all kinds of form. And right now there's a lot of fear in the culture. And uh -huh. so if everybody's thinking fearfully, then fear becomes a prayer for what you do not want. So if we want to have a wow. good and vibrant and free society, uh, we need to get our acts together to get into the positive energies, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, I think life beats us down big time. We, we, I, I've, I'm one of the biggest uh, offenders in this set in such almost any big step I take, right. Whether it's, you know, going to a new job, whether it's um, just hoping when there's two outcomes, I tend to prepare for the worst. Right. Yeah. But I do that as a, as a, like a defense mechanism, but at the same time, I don't realize that maybe I'm manifesting the worst at, uh, yeah. subconsciously. So a lot of, a lot of uh, what you do, I mean, you're a huge believer in, in manifestation, right? I mean, just a lot of people don't think that that's real still. Like they, mm -hmm. they think that a positive attitude's okay. It's good to have a positive attitude on life. They might even tie that to like heart health more so than actual outcomes of things. But yeah. uh, just talk about like the manifestation and, and even to the the point where people can bend metal and stuff and how that factors in yeah, yeah so the psychokinesis things i've mentioned we use those because it gives you a very clear uh feedback usually very quickly whether you're in the right zone if you will mm. and if you were looking for a soulmate or you want the best job in the universe for you that can take some time so the feedback isn't there whether you're even on the right path if you will yeah. Um, but from my point of view, the energies involved and the consciousness involved in energy healing, which would affect that heart health. Uh, we've had people clear fingernail fungus overnight to completely clear nails, you know, rather than just starting to grow clear. Yeah. Um, you know, reports of clear MRIs and things after cancer. Um, one of the one people person I remember waking up second day of one of my Vegas adventure workshops. I've done 99 workshops in Vegas on this. Um, woke up uh, pain-free from post-polio syndrome for the first time in 20 years. So we get all of that effect on the physical body, but also the manifesting of your ideal job, your soulmate, um, abundance, your life in general, whether that's financial or friendship or what have you. We find that beliefs are important. So most of us are carrying beliefs like nothing good comes easy, no mm. pain, no gain, then it's going to be difficult. Mm. Um, we live in a culture that was developed by listening to Charles Darwin's survival of the fittest, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the newest biology data, because it indicates there's a lot of genetic sharing of information between organisms, the best prime directive we think now is that nature has a prime directive of for the good of all. Yeah. Building a society on the, for the good of all is very different than one built on survival of the fittest. Absolutely. So these are examples of beliefs that might come into where, to me, free choice beings were designed to yeah. get an energy and unlimited quantity and quality directly from source, if that's God or beauty of nature, whatever you want. Um, but usually that energy is cut off. Yeah. Um, and so we get energy starved and we try to get energy from other people by being the good boy or the bad boy, the good girl, the bad girl, whatever. 
Um, so anyway, uh, what we see is even beliefs like, um, if I ask people in the groups that I deal with a lot, how many of you are seekers of wisdom and beauty and, you know, insight and all that, most of the hands will go up that, yes, I'm a seeker of high, high wisdom. And I say, wouldn't you rather be a finder? <laughs> it's a different energetic to find than it is to seek. Interesting. Yeah. So all of this is free choice. It's not a universe or karma doing things to you to keep you down, but your own thinking and your own level of energy um, can keep you either very weakly manifesting um, or not at all or manifesting in the negative. Um, you don't have to be perfect. Yeah. Uh, to me, like almost like a seesaw, mm -hmm. if you were 90% desire, clear and clean of what, what you want in terms of intention, and you only had 10% fear, you would probably get what you wanted quite quickly with lots of serendipity synchronicity. Mm -hmm. But when you get to 50% fear, 50% desire, not much happens. And if you go into 80% fear and 10%, 20% desire, that's when you manifest what you don't want. Yeah. So, so I got a sign on my wall. Uh, I made up this phrase and then somebody sent it to me um, on a piece of wood engraved. And it says, fear is expensive. Love is priceless. Choose wisely. <laughs> I, th I think I read that in, yeah, in, in uh, the Liquid Luck book. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's where we're faced as a culture right now, too. Individually, yeah. in families, in small communities, and then even nations. Are we going to vote for fear or are we going to vote for uh, the positivity? Yeah. Interesting. Right. So yeah. give us a brief history. I, so I've listed quite a few of your interviews and I haven't heard you talk about your time at the Monroe Institute, especially the early days. And mm -hmm. I'll say what I know about. So Robert Monroe, he was a pretty successful radio broadcast producer, correct? And he, mm -hmm. on the side, he was really into a strange phenomenon, so to speak, especially back then. People weren't talking about out-of-body experiences, lucid dreaming, brainwave entrainment. And he kind of put that on the map and he founded the Monroe Institute. How did you hear about Robert Monroe and how did you get involved with them? Yeah, so um, as a kid, I had a lot of out-of-body experiences myself. I would, you know, be being about ready to fall asleep, and I might be imagining myself on my bicycle going downhill, and the handlebars would separate and go straight, and the bike would go downhill, and I'd be holding the handlebars. And then I could drop the handlebars and then fly around the uh, um, to see my friends and stuff, if you will, wow. in an out-of-body state. And I would get confirmation about what they were doing uh, the next day. So uh, when I heard Bob Monroe was into this out-of-body stuff, I read his books and pretty quickly uh, found out that there was this institute in Virginia that you mentioned, Monroe Institute. And I went up there and I was blown away. Uh, it was one of the most profound weeks of my life. I took their first program called Gateway. That's their premier program most people take first. And yes, there was out of body, but there was all this other stuff going on um, in terms of communication with people who had passed to the other side, hmm. um, manifestation power, kinds of things we're talking about. So became a trainer there 
and um, and have designed several programs for them. One called MC Squared, which is Manifestation Creation Squared, which comes off of the Vegas workshops I did, mm-hmm. where we bend metal and we grow seeds and we do all that. But we also talk about these limiting beliefs and emotional patterns that could be in the way and have developed a lot of deep meditations to uh, help uh, heal that, if you will, and move a person beyond that. Um, And have developed other programs for them as well. Um, They're still going strong. After COVID now, they also have virtual programs as well as residential, but they are around the world. They give about 60 programs a year residentially, I think, in uh, Virginia. And the cool thing is there's no dogma. You don't have to wear orange or <laughs> eat a certain way. Yeah. Democrats, Republicans, uh, atheists, uh, yeah. Buddhists, uh, fundamentalist Christian, many people come up and everything is respective. respected. It just gives you tools to do your own exploring. Bob Monroe's biggest thing to me was he was not a guru. He did not abuse the power and he tried to self-empower people to take their own journey. And he did find that by using special tones in each year called binaural beat and some other things that he developed, uh, we can get people into meditative states within 10 minutes that could take years uh, in normal meditation to get to. And once deeply relaxed in a meditative state, moving into states of expanded awareness to be really in touch with the kind of high energies we talked about at the beginning of the program. I have a home study version of that MC squared program called sync creation. It's on my website, comes with three coachings with me and all these meditations uh, on either download or CD, depending on how one gets it. Uh, And then about a half dozen, actually closer to a dozen now, individual exercises like Liquid Luck for, for people to just get a taste of this. Yeah. So Liquid Luck, the meditation you listen to, came out first. And within two weeks, I had reports of people winning lottery tickets every day in a row, $1,000 every day, mm-hmm. uh, selling houses have been on the market for a long time, finding soulmates, Mm-hmm. Solving business problems, yeah. uh, creating inventions, all kinds of bursts of creativity and manifestation. And mainly we we're using the idea from Harry Potter books, if you will, uh, of developing in your mind a, a container filled with golden liquid. And into the liquid, you put happiness, gratitude, abundance, praise, compassion, feelings of good fortune all these high positive emotions. And then whenever you wanted to have a good day, you take a drink and you could feel you could have synchronicity, serendipity, the courage to act and the wisdom to know when to act. Um, And it worked really well. I was looking, you know, how do you compress three decades of experience down to 30 minutes for somebody to give them a taste to show them this is real. In the laboratories we work at, at this point, open-minded scientists, the meta-analysis of the data on remote viewing, on telepathy, on psychokinesis, on precognition is all what we call Six Sigma events. It would not occur even once in a billion by chance. So the science data is much stronger. Um, They would release a new medication if it's 100 to 1 by chance that it's (laughs) uh, helpful. So a billion to 1 by chance is a lot. 
Um, I'm going to assume that you've worked with Dean Radin just by what you've just said, basically. Yeah, he's. Yeah, he's I worked mainly with Princeton Anomalous Engineering Laboratory. Yeah. And then I met Dean when he was at University of Nevada. Okay. And he was analyzing comp uh, things from casinos and uh, finding weird things like that jackpots pay more around the full moon. Whoa. Um, those kind of things <laughs> that we could talk about. Anyway. Yeah. Maybe that's a good segue uh, to get into the Vegas stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm <laughs> yeah. very, very interested in the in the in the Vegas stuff now. Yeah. And you have and you have spoken about this and you have and you've written about this, but uh, we're gonna get you right back to the episode. But I just wanted to let you guys know of a few other things we offer at Rare Candy Industries. We have a Substack with free and paid subscription options. Free subscribers get access to all written content that includes Bob's Red Pill. That's the best thing going on the internet right now. Trust me. Paid subscribers get full access to our premium episode feed. And that's just every episode we don't necessarily want to share with the general public, if you know what I'm saying. Again, that's rarecandy.substack.com. We also have merch. That link's a little long for me to say right now, but go to the description, go to our merch store, and find a shirt that's right for you. We have Rare Candy shirts, Dr. Bronner soap label shirts, Rishi mushroom shirts, all types of stuff there. Check it out. There's got to be something for you. And lastly, check us out on social media. On Instagram, we're Rare Candy Pod, but on Twitter, we're at Rare Candy Pod One. All right, enough of that. Let's get you back into the episode. Our our audience, especially the people that are with with me, they especially with football season coming up, they they love they love betting and stuff. And now I know that's not exactly uh, the the field that you went into, but but I would love to hear about this about how you took basically all of what you just said and mm -hmm. decided let's test this out in the brightest <laughs> basically in the brightest lights of the <laughs> of literal yeah. brightest lights of yeah. the United States. What happened? Yeah. So. When I was at Monroe, somebody might say, gee, I have a headache and I could touch their shoulder and the headache could go away. But I don't know if they did it, I did it, God did it. If it didn't go away, I don't know if it's maybe not supposed to go away. Mm. Right? It might be a sign that they need to slow down. Right. So it's, it's very messy from a um, psychological researcher perspective. That same energy seemed to be present when I rolled dice. Um, heart wide open, grounded to the earth, connected to spirit, feeling great joy, great energy moving through you. And so if those are the same energies, the good news is that you can study that in a lab, the psychokinesis, easier because we know the statistics on dice. We know the statistics uh -huh. on slot machines. So <clears throat> first I went to Princeton labs, found that this stuff was real and I could do it. And then I really wanted to get a black belt in PK, if you want. Nice. And the place to go to do that, I, I figured, was Vegas. Because we were guaranteed that the dice and slot machines were fair and neutral. Mm -hmm. And the statistics were well understood. And if I did pretty well, I could pay my office staff at home while I studied in Vegas how to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I went out and found... Um, things got pretty weird. I could see through physical matter, um, hear angelic choirs, time would seem to stop and the dice would just be rolling in the air above the table. Felt like I could go to the bathroom, come back and they'd still be there. Whoa. All kinds of weird anomalous things uh, because PK has a lot of time distortion to it, in my opinion. And so after I did it myself, I said, well, let me see if I could teach others. And that seemed to work well. And that resulted in the 99 workshops, 
But when I was out there myself, um, you know, to my satisfaction, I was blowing through statistics that shouldn't be possible. So um, in dice, you hold the dice until you roll a seven and um, at the wrong time. And, and seven comes up once in every six rolls. So most people hold the dice about 10 minutes and, and it fails. A good, a good roll might be a half hour. Yeah. Um, I was doing things like rolling for two hours uh, without yeah. hitting the seven. In our workshops, one of the last ones we did, a lady rolled 48 numbers in a row with no seven. Wow. Okay. And of course, you can make good money doing that. <laughs> um, and the money creates excitement. Mm. And we only bet small amounts, usually to start, you know, five bucks or something. Yeah. But money makes people pay attention, um, different than if I was just lecturing. Mm. So um, the group amps up, and we get tables reserved just to ourselves. Um, and if we are in feelings of oneness with each other, um, gratitude, love, um, abundance, like I've mentioned, we usually get rewarded with money within minutes or seconds. Wow. If you go into greed, fear, and ego, the money's taken away. Um, mm -hmm. That seven comes out, if you will. And so it's almost like teaching the dog to sit by reward, punishment, hopefully yeah. reward with the dog. Um, you can train yourself into a more enlightened way of living where you're living with less fear. Like you mentioned, Glenn, you know, before something really important, it's natural to get <clears throat> anxious about whether the medical test will come back positive or negative, whether I can get that raise I'm going to go in and ask for, whether I'll get the new job that's right for me. And um, yeah. the kinds of things that we look at doing tend to put it in a position where you need to make less and less effort for amazing things to come and you set it up that not only what I want will come, but things that are good for me that I don't even know and good for people around me. So um, I thought, gee, I was on the computer one day. I'd like to take my wife to Paris. Um, and I put an email pops up, would you like to train a workshop in France? I've never had that wow. offer before. So I said, sure. And I thought to myself, yeah, I'd like to go to the first class round trip uh, for free. That would be romantic and fun. Yeah. By the end of the day, I had free round-trip tickets uh, by a guy who then emailed and said, uh, gee, I got a million miles with Delta. This is a while ago. Uh, they may be going bankrupt at that time. It looked like that could be a possibility. Would you like 200,000 miles and you can go free round-trip to Europe? Yeah. So that's what we did. Um, the unexpected was more than a dozen or two other workshops developed from that including one in Germany where we had a big healing around the energy of the Holocaust. One in Cyprus, we had 13 different countries. And there were some people who were involved with the UN negotiators to try to solve the conflicts over in that part of the world. And they said, gee, this meditative techniques and stuff may help us so we could create a better world for our grandkids. So all these good things can come just from the idea of, gee, I'd like to go to Paris. If your energy is up and open and you're not in fear of, oh, gee, you know. So you mentioned, uh, you know, going on a show like uh, Jeffrey Mishlove's New Thinking Aloud, you know. Yeah. Beautiful show. 
Yeah. Uh, another one I go on is Coast to Coast. First time I went on that, we had thousands of emails the next day. Okay, for orders. We are things. huge Art Bell fans on this show. That's yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's definitely. I mean, if, if we could for a second, like just talk, just talk about that. I mean, that to me seems like a mythic. That seems like something I would have to like manifest and transcend into. Just it seems yeah. like this <laughs> other world. You know, a little bit before my time. Sometimes, I mean, or just before I, I got to it. But just what was that like? Just being on coast. Yeah. So, so I, I didn't know very much about it at the time, um, but again, because of these good energies, they heard about me and they asked me to be on. And through the book Inner Vegas, they you know got interested in that. Um, but I want to use this as an example because then the second time going on, we had hired a staff of quite a few people. We had fifty thousand in inventory. We had all this preparation. And I could be canceled at any minute. You know, there could be a breaking news story that, or the sec first guest could go longer. And mm -hmm. so before the show, I have to put all those ego issues aside yeah. and all that fear aside about how it's going to go and, and move into how can I be of greater, greatest service to the world and to myself during the show and open my heart full wide and let ego quiet. And then the second show was tremendous. And I've been on now, I think, 10 times on uh, Coast to Coast. Wow. But each time, there's potential for ego to be in there. Does uh -huh. that make sense? Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. And so depending, you know, what the psychokinesis did in Vegas was train people to deal with that. Uh, because somewhere between betting 50 cents, $5, $50, $500, $5,000, ego is going to come into the picture. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, you can, it's not trying to kill ego, which a lot of systems try to do, you know, detach completely, but just to make it a quieter voice on the whole board of directors inside of you, mm -hmm. which might include your highest of spirit, your inner child, your grandma's wisdom, all kinds of good parts that are the complexity of we are as humans. We have energy bodies, physical bodies, etheric bodies. Uh, so we quiet the ego and we learn to practice that. And we're using the psychokinesis stuff in Vegas to do that. In the home study, we, we roll dice in patterns. And around the world, um, say we're having a class, we say, okay, everybody rolls 10 times and get as many doubles as you can. Statistically, that should be one in six rolls. We can say, okay, with the number of people in the group, we should have rolled 18 doubles, and we've rolled 38. Huh. So that you know gives people quick feedback, something's going on. Yeah. Um, and so in the home study course, we deal with that bending metal, uh, growing seeds, uh, rolling dice, those kind of things, as well as the energy healing for self and others. And I'm using the word healing, meaning not just a sore knee, but healing to your full potential. Mm -hmm. To be um, able to tell a joke like nobody else in terms of getting a laugh, to uh, dance gracefully, to be unconditionally loving toward yourself and others, yeah. uh, to move in complete forgiveness, all kinds of very high things besides just manifesting a Mercedes or a BMW. Those are concrete and they're a lot of fun, nothing wrong with them. But sometimes you might even want inner peace, you know? <laughs> that's, right. So that's what interested me about you was you're you're talking about this vegas thing and people yeah. might hear that 
and they're like, oh, okay, that's a certain type of guy or whatever. But then you, everything you just said is like, whoa, you know, you're, you're clearly yeah. using this as an avenue for greater expansion and awareness, but we got to talk about the spoon bending and the metal. Cause I, I know we briefly touched on that. I know our, yeah. our audience would need a little more uh, digging into that. Cause that's going to be a lot of fun. So, I, you know, so is this you, visual or just audio? It's both. Um, so yeah, I'm so going to hold up what I call a spoon that was bent by psychokinesis. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, For anyone just listening. Say, I got to try to figure out where the camera is. That's good. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. So that is the heaviest Oneida wear. And you could push as hard as you want. That's yeah, not going to bend with physical force. Uh, this one is the heaviest Oneida as well. And a metallurgist has looked at that. It's very hard to see. There's a very uh, tight bend in the handle. It's yeah. so tight to twist that the metallurgists say it's impossible. By physical force, it would just snap. And mm -hmm. if you heated it, there would be stress marks from the heating. And in fact, under electron microscope, there's a book called The Metal Benders by two physicists from England. It says that the metal looks different under electron microscope when you bend it with psychokinetic energy. Hmm. So there's some pretty interesting things. You could fake this, you know, close hand magicians. Yeah. Uh, so to do this in a laboratory is very difficult. They've done it with people uh, stripped to the waist so there's no sleeves, uh -huh. high speed cameras in all directions, master magicians watching. And yet, even under that condition, most of uh, the scientific community say, ah, somehow there was something funny. So yeah. in laboratories, usually on psychokinesis, we deal with things that you can deal with statistically, like random number generators, flippings of coins, playing with dice, those things that are smaller PK effects. Uh, I'm going to get back a little bit to the horse racing uh -huh. and bring up uh, that plus um, lotteries. Yeah. Because there's two things dancing here. There's what we would call psychokinesis, this ability to affect matter, and also what we could call intuition or remote viewing in the scientific world, mm -hmm. where you're guessing correctly or getting information correctly about things you should not be able to know about, like who's going to win the Super Bowl next week. Mm -hmm. Okay, You could do an analysis on a horse race of or sports betting, which team should work better. Mm -hmm. But as you know, things don't always go according to the uh, handicapping. Oh, yeah. So in those situations, rather than making the horse run faster, uh, as you would do in psychokinesis, it would be better to use your intuitional skills, the remote viewing skills. Same for the lottery, because let's say you have the major lotteries, 60 numbers or whatever, you got... 100 million people all thinking different numbers and wanting different numbers to come in. One person needs a new kidney, one has an autistic child, one wants to start a business, who knows? Um, and so that's all, there's a lack of clarity of intent mm -hmm. across everybody. What I heard, I have not been able to confirm, is after 9-11, for example, the numbers 911 won more often in New York State um, uh, after that, because people were thinking 911. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, what we've seen is there, I'll give you an example. One person said, Okay, 
in pick three lotteries, there are 10 numbers, zero to 10, or zero to nine. And so I'm gonna put on my kitchen table whatever the number is this week. So if it's a zero, I put a donut. Another zero, a donut, and I'm say an upright candle for one. So donut, donut, candle would equal zero, zero, one. Mm. And I would do that for a couple of weeks. And then I just ask myself, what am I going to put on my table tomorrow before the numbers are picked? Mm -hmm. And usually people will get a mental image of the things. Okay. And when they did that, they were able to pay for sports uniforms for an entire county, all the schools <laughs> from midget, uh, you know, kindergarten all the way up through high school. They bought new equipment for the whole county wow. using the funds of working that way. So that's a way to work with things um, in um, there's an organization called, oh, it's APP, Applied Precognition something. I'll be giving uh, a talk with them in their virtual program in, the, in this fall. Uh, and they work on the stock market and futures. Okay. And they would say, okay, in a remote viewing protocol, if the market's going to be up, then this picture will be accurate. Yeah. And it might be a picture of Hawaii. It's in an envelope. Nobody can see it. And if it's going to be down, this picture of the garbage can will be uh, what will be yeah. seen. And these are in blank envelopes. So they'll go to an audience that has no idea, and they'll ask the audience, okay, I'm wanting you to draw the most accurate picture of what will be answer to the question we're asking and our question is up and down and uh, independent judges will then look and somebody draws a trash can another person a garbage can someone else smells garbage but doesn't has a blank mind nothing to draw someone thinks rotten food someone thinks whatever the judges would put all that under garbage can yeah somebody else says i see beaches I see sand, I see palm trees, they put it under the Hawaii, okay? And if 90% of the group sees Hawaii, then they will make an investment right? and they will bet uh, according to what the Hawaii picture would indicate, the market will be up, okay? And they've, they've had some luck with that. So there's actually investment clubs that use the uh, intuitive potential we have as humans um, to uh, make make investments. Um, I know a guy did you mention sports betting really, really well. Mm -hmm. um, so we were we actually did this for the NFL last season. Uh, it was uh, our first that was kind of our first official dip yeah. in the toe. and we we had mixed results, um, but we had some true flashes of brilliance for sure. Yeah, then, what usually happens is yeah. there's a flash of beginner luck uh -huh. and then ego comes in. Yep, for sure. And either you're betting more money than you're comfortable or you've made a bunch of money and now you don't want to lose it, something that would tighten your colon, if you will, okay? <laughs> and when that happens, then the results can go to neutral or even negative. Yeah. Um, and so when you see people who are investors in the stock market, commodities, whatever, and they claim they've had a great two years, they beat the market by double, fine, but I want to see a a record of performance over a 10 year period. Yeah. 
sustainability. Uh, yeah, right? the sustainability. And there's ways to do that. There's one guy I know who did commodities, uh, and he would have a formula that was very complex of analysis. And then he would see if the big buyers of cereal, for example, the uh, corn, say a cereal company, would be uh, voting the same direction he is because they have information he may not have be privy to. And then he would check it through his intuition. And all three would have to agree. Then he would make the trade. It's like a and he had very high record of success through many different kinds of markets. But most people don't have the discipline to run it through those three filters each time. Yeah. And they begin to get bored or impulsive or what have you. Yeah. So it's not an easy way to make a living. You know, to me, if you want to make a lot of money nowadays, think of something that would benefit the world. Right. Because the Internet can make you a millionaire over the weekend. If it does benefit the world and you can get it out there. So there was a guy I know I was talking about his son, teenager. He started a channel that talked about difficulty with parents and shyness around girls and things like that. And I asked his father, well, how's he doing? He says, pretty good. He makes about 150 grand a month. What? Yeah. You know, through the advertising because yeah. he had had over a hundred thousand prescribers, subscribers, etc. <clears throat> so I wow. looked up and there was a lady, it's called Laurel Farms, L-A-U-R-A, and just a, a decent looking lady in the Middle East, in the middle of the country in the United States on a big farm, dresses very modestly, you know, is running the farm with her, her uh, husband, and it's her dad's farm as well. And she's driving equipment and talking about the weather and what they're planning that day. Well, she's got 875,000 subscribers. <laughs> the advertising on that may make her more than the farm does. Yeah, for okay? sure. And if you watch her videos, they're about 10, 15 minutes long. You feel good after it. Yeah. Right. You feel a little bit more tied to where food comes from. You see some beauty of nature. You see people working. Mm -hmm. It's so stress-free that it becomes a, just a nice thing. It's like a meditation. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, there's nothing wrong with betting sports for fun, you know, or and yeah. but to me, if you uh, if you want to make a bunch of money, like win the major lottery, mm -hmm. think of a way that it benefits a lot of other people as well. Like yeah. That. And I, I wonder, too, with this, because I it, it's clear that there is a I, I, skill is kind of a weird word to say, but like it's clear that there's something you have to there's it, it takes the skill to get to the point to where you can manifest uh, positive results. But I mean, is this just a fundamental property of the of the universe in a sense? Because right, if I was evil, but I was super skilled at this, couldn't I manifest destruction on, on the world if I really wanted to, if I was just pure evil, but it does seem to be part of a fundamental property of the universe, because as in your words, it positivity and just maybe with the, with the winnings and having a positive idea of what to do with the winnings might actually, uh, might actually help the result, right? Is it just a property yeah. of the universe then? Yeah, there's, um, I think the most people who study this theoretically would say these are natural human qualities. Out of body, we do it at night in our sleep. We may not remember it. It's a natural thing, okay? Sleep is natural. 
But if I said to you, you know, how do you go to sleep? Well, I get, I wait till I feel I'm tired. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, say, gee, my intention is I'm going to go to sleep. And then I think about something else and in 10 minutes I'm asleep. Okay. Well, if I said, great, I'm going to put you on TV in front of an audience of a couple million people. And if you go to sleep in the next 20 minutes, since it only took you 10, I'll give you a million dollars. Most people couldn't because right. now there's efforting. Now it's not natural. Yeah. Okay. So the natural intuition we have to know, don't go that direction. There might be a tiger over there. Uh, this is a good place to go for food, whatever. Uh, there's something going on in our tribe, uh, I think, is is basically a gift for us to function better and survive and then thrive. Um, it can be distorted, but what we've seen Sometimes governments have had remote influencing programs. Could you influence somebody to give them, uh, take a leader out, say, in another country? And what we find is the people that they try to train to do that, during the training, lose all interest to do it. Because it feels like it's boomeranging back on themselves, and it doesn't feel good. And so it seems like it's got a natural limiting to it. Uh, But you can influence people by fear you could you know yell at somebody you can um, show them a gun and say give me all your money uh there's ways to influence but it seems to be temporary Mm. um and tends to boomerang back Uh, so in my experience this stuff has been very positive psychologically spiritually you will have a bunch of people who say this is of the devil You'll have other people who are materialistic who say this is in thought possible because we have no spirit. So you will have naysayers in this. But I think the science shows that this is genuine. Okay. And you and you mentioned uh, OBEs, out of body experience. Um, You I know in your interviews, you've said you've had what close to a hundred, if not more that you, that you remember. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, the, a lot of people have questions about this, including myself, because the, again, I'm sure I have them. I just do not, I, they, they completely leave yeah. my mind. Um, I, my wife definitely has had some, like she, she definitely remembers it. So um, there are some people, there are a lot of a th- theories about what an OBE is. Cause it's very clear that they're, that they're real and that they're, they're not just a, uh, someone's imagination, but um is this just as simple as like uncoupling the soul from the vessel or is there something else going on? I mean, it, it does seem to be like, how, how do you get to be having those all the time? Like it just seems, it doesn't seem like just a random selection, right? Yeah. It seems to come and go. Sometimes a person will not have any for a decade and then have a bunch for a decade. People report more experiences of that as a child and before adolescence. And that's true in all these psychic things we've mentioned. Chinese have studied this more than we have in terms of having kids being raised to be able to do anything, uh, to you know make things appear and disappear, etc. But it seems to get muted during adolescence for most people, not all. Then um, it seems like there's a continuum of the classic out of body where you'd feel rushing noise or roaring. Um, you'd feel a pop leaving your body. You could put your hand in the wall and feel these, the studs and the electrical stuff, etc. You're taking a lot of physicality with you. You have energy on hands and feet 
that kind of thing. If you were flying to Paris, it'd feel like Superman flying through space. Then in this out-of-body continuum, we would say there might be what we call a second body rollout in Monroe terms, where you take less physicality. You might be just a, a, an orb of uh, like a teardrop of energy. And then even further, mental travel, where you're a point of consciousness. You know, a point is a dot on a piece of paper. No, it's not. That's a representation of the point. Mm. A point has no dimension. Yeah. Okay. So in mental travel, uh, you go, you can get the verification. But there, if you don't believe in time and space, you're in Paris instantly rather than having to fly like Superman. So all of these are in the out-of-body area, in my opinion. And, and uh, for most people, the mental would be easier to induce and control than the, the first one, because the classic, you take a lot of physicality with you. Mm. And with that, anything unusual can create some fear. Yeah. And when you create fear, then you're right back slammed in the body or don't even leave in the first place. You might feel some vibration, something a little weird happening in the bedroom at night, uh, like a feeling of the bugs outside sound like more like electronic music something mm. you go, this is odd and you immediately start clamping down in fear then you're not going to have the out of body if you go oh interesting let me mm. see if i can magnify that through breathing mm. uh, through opening my heart to gratitude for this experience then you're more likely to have one you would remember consciously um and you can train yourself then to go out look at a digital clock <laughs> say, oh, it's 12 uh, minutes after 10, and you're back, and it's uh, 15 minutes after 10. It was three minutes clock time, wow. and it felt like an hour yeah. or whatever. And you can train yourself to go do things um, that might provide verification if you want. But usually that, you know, what I'd like to say is out-of-body is really cool, yet it's not necessary for anything. It's not right. necessary for enlightenment, going to heaven or whatever. Mm -hmm. talking to people who are in spirit, you can instead sit on your chair and go love pierces any veil and be in touch with your grandma who's on the other side. That's so awesome. If you learn the skills to do that. Yeah. So a person can make the error of making out-of-body too important. Right. But if uh, it's more like, oh, gee, this would, be, this would be nice and I think it would be useful and positive in my life, then there's lots of books, and I think that's a great way is just to read the books right before you go to bed. So I got a kick out of the books from the 19th century. Yeah, they, yeah. they would be afraid that they'd be found out of body and be buried alive, or that they would look at see a woman's ankle because that would be such a scandal. Right. You know, but you're reading all these interesting out of body stories, and you go to sleep with that in your mind. You may well have an out of body. Oh, interesting. And and I, you have, you know, you've said at the Monroe Institute, you had people that were from all sorts of backgrounds, including fundamentalist Christian. And sure. now I might think that the average fundamentalist Christian might not view that as something God is doing, but maybe from the other side, like, like you say, yeah. if, if, the, if the crickets start sounding like electronic music, they might say Satan has taken a hold of me or something like that. Yeah. Is it harder for people like that to, to kind of uh, get rid um, of that? Yeah, there's, there are subsets, you know, of folks who are deeply committed to finding God in their own divinity, and they feel that fundamental Christianity is the way to go about that. But they, um, 
they will talk about the primacy of love over fear, etc. Yeah. You have others that are very rule-oriented, black and white, and are very much in fear of I make the slightest mistake and I may be in hell for all eternity, which is a you know pretty heavy fear for them. Um, and um, so you get a variety of situations, but in general, they have may have a little more challenge. Um, and other people will too. People who are perfectionistic have to do it right the first time. People who are not, you know, able to be playful. People that have been in war and have a lot of PTSD and they feel very guarded, like they couldn't let their guard down because somebody might come behind them. Um, there's different kinds of challenges. But in general, you know, I'll be doing a program called Out of Body Spectrum at Monroe and later in the month here. Um, we will have a group that's full. This one, I think, 24 is their maximum. Um, the meditations we use using headphones and this non-denominational hemisync for them and what now it's called Monroe Sound Science, this combination of tones allow people to let go of a lot of that and to have an experience for themselves or even if they're a little inclined to say, gee, is this okay? Within 15 minutes or so, they feel like, I know this is real and I know this is okay. Mm -hmm. It feels mm -hmm. like it has a truth to it and a positivity mm -hmm. to it. That's good. Uh, but not everyone, you know, and probably the people that would be too, quote, freaked out by that would never attend. Yeah. No. Uh, when people come with that background, um, there's other people that have, you know, strong beliefs about it has to be a certain way. Certain shamanistic traditions feel you have to put in 20 years of initiation, mm -hmm. you know, and to do this, you know, to experience these things before you have that initiation would be unsafe for you yeah. and improper. So you do come across belief systems that would be uh, not in alignment with what I'm saying today. And, and I'm not, proclaiming ultimate truth everybody's got to find out themselves that's yeah. that's that's a big part of all of it so uh the last thing that i want to ask you our audience is really really uh really curious about at least what you can say about this is waves right it all it all seems there has to be some kind of way to quantify the energy that's happening here where whether it's you know uh delta theta waves or just any of these these things that are that are happening um as far as the like this, like the spoon bending. Like what? Like is it is it emitting waves? Is it is it any any of these things or any like how does this stuff happen? You talk about different tones that that yeah. uh, that are used to get people uh, into yeah. into these into these mindsets and stuff. So like like just about the actual waves part of it, I'd, I'd be interested. Okay. In so two things I would talk about. One would be how do we get people in deep meditative states? That involves working with sound in a way that's conducive for the mind to change its consciousness state. If I started a rhythm like it's going to affect you physically. If I kept it up the same rhythm, it'd be darn irritating or you'd have to ignore it. So these are constantly changing stimuli to the brain as something new that are suggesting to the brain, uh, gee, it'd be good for the brain to go into a particular pattern such as delta for sleep, Beta for awake, combination of the two puts you right on the border of sleep and awake. Uh, gamma is associated 
those brain waves for with psychic functioning, some of the psychokinesis we've been talking about. So there's that neurophysiologically, what can we do to get things going? Then if you look at what happens in bending metal or uh, affecting computers or whatever it might be, uh, Princeton PEAR, if you look it up online, PEAR stands for PAIR, Princeton Engineering Anomalous Research Lab. It's closed now, but they have a lot of theoretical physics articles on, uh, that even suggest that if theoretical physics is correct, this has to be so, rather than just explaining it. Um, and there's things like the uh, spooky action at a distance, you know, one atom in one part of the universe connecting to another part, change one, the other changes. Um, things about how time works, all kinds of things. Um, Lynn Taggart talks about the field when you're talking about waves. Some people look at dark energy versus dark matter. Um, and, you know, dark matter is 95% of the universe and we don't understand it yet. Uh, so there, there's a feeling that there's so probably some universal forces. Um, but if you use the word energy waves, most people go, hmm, matter breaks down into tiny, tiny pieces like protons, neutrons, electrons, then quarks. If you break it further down, it breaks into energy. If you break the energy down, some people feel it's packets of information. And if you break that down, people say it might be consciousness. And if you break that down, people say the, the ground of all of it is love. So another way to look at this would be if you want to get um, to the most basic, love is bending the spoon. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And creating the world. And if you go up a little bit of that, our whole consciousness together is doing it. And if you go up another level, our consciousness affects energy, which then affects matter and creates. Yeah. So I don't know if that helps, Glenn. It does. No, it, it does. Because it's like people want to know. And there's people that might be, I don't know if they're skeptics. They're, they're not coming from an ultimate skeptic background. But when people just see kind of a, an anomalous event, I know it's not an anomaly, but to them it could be. Uh, they don't know. They're, they're saying, well, what's, what is happening? What is taking place? We, we can watch yeah. a million videos about what a microwave does to an apple or something. But yeah. we just, it, it's what yeah, you're so It's tough to because they're asking the question, is it real? And from many points of view, this whole thing is paradoxically real and not real. Yeah. Um, ancient Egyptian time or middle Egyptian time, there was a book called The Kabillion said, everything is real, everything's a dream. The biggest mistake you could make is just deciding one of those statements is truer than the other. Mm. I'm paraphrasing. But um, there's that type of thing. If they want to say, is it measurable? Yes. There's a lab at uh, Duke Rhine Institute down at near Duke University in um, in North Carolina, and they have a room that they they make it so dark there's almost no photons in the room, and then if a person walks in, photons start happening, okay, but if an energy healer goes in there and says let there be light, an amazing wow. amount of photons are produced, and you can measure that. Wow. Monroe has what they call a copper room. They're measuring electric voltage potential off of people who are projecting energy, projecting healing, 
working with that, and you can see measurable results. Yeah. In the labs, we see statistically um, there's um, random number generators around the world. They should be going one zero one zero at a 50-50 rate, over, much like a head-tail coin flip. Before 9-11, they jumped into non-random, into yeah. order. Heard of that. Um, they do that at O.J. Simpson trial verdict. Wow. Um, Obama's acceptance speech when it's first elected. Uh, all kinds of events when humans in the billions focus on one thing. Mm -hmm. There's other detectors around the world that are detecting magnetic fields. Um, it's called the Global Coherence Project through HeartMath. And there they can measure if 100,000 people in a city pray for peace that day. Yeah. If we have change in the geomagnetic field on the earth. So we can see smoking gun, if you will. We can see some physical effects. Yeah. But when you get to the primary cause of everything, you know, yeah. you get pretty deep into the weeds of what is consciousness. Yeah, and it, it's kind of crazy when you think about it too, because you know nowadays I think we're with 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 our you know technological development. I think it's we tend to rely less on on what we can do as humans. Because I, I mean, I think yeah. everybody agrees that uh, in this in this chat, uh, everybody agrees that all humans have this power. Um, mm -hmm. But the the idea is that we've industrialized to have machines take that take that place to to basically mm -hmm. manifest things for us right when i want when i want to talk to joe gallenberger i just send him an invite he clicks on it and stuff now that being yeah. said like there was a time before we had all these things and a lot of these tales from from the past you know whether it's you know the bible whether it's any religious scripture now who knows if that stuff actually happened but i do wonder if a lot of people relied more on that because they didn't have technology and were able to manifest such crazy miracles you know in, sure. in religious text there's a cool book called Wings of Ecstasy about a monk from the 16th century. And he would go up and if he saw a cross on top of a church and he would just levitate and be up there for half hour or whatever. Yeah. Thousands upon thousands of noblemen and other people saw him. The church tried to hide him in monasteries and they had to keep moving him because he was... He would heal people. He was so psychic about what was going to happen. But the cool thing about him is it wasn't cool for him. But for us is he was put under the Inquisition several times. Ooh. And so there's all these church records that are very detailed of all the kind of things he was able to do and accomplish. Um, so, you know, there's interesting things out there. Is interesting but, things. Uh, the Chinese did find that when they would recruit children from the rural areas, they usually do better than children from cities. And not so much the inventions you mentioned. Yes, it's easier for me to dial Glenn than to go into a psychic state and, and get such clarity of communication that we could discuss building a house together or something <laughs> and, and decide on everything, all the details of that. But also that in the city, in our current cultures, it seems to favor left brain functioning versus right brain and whole brain functioning. Um, when there's a, there's a thing called the stroke of insight, it's a little video out on YouTube, and there's a book by that name, Jill Bolte-Taylor. She's a neuroanatomist, and she had a stroke, and her left brain shut down, and she went into the oneness experience and feeling uh, not an individual, but one with all this energy. 
and then she could move back into um, whole brain functioning and be in a single individual. So it's a very interesting uh, video to watch uh, or a book to read uh, because it talks about this a little bit. Of um, We've moved our consciousness to be very linear, sequential, mm -hmm. left brain oriented. Um, that coupled with survival of the fittest really does dampen psychic energy from my point of view. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, we, you know, we're, we're about out of time here and I just wanted to, uh, thank you once again for, for coming on and, and talking about this. This is, this is fascinating to me. It's, it's new ish, uh, just, but it, it also feels so familiar because there, you can think of single instances where something just didn't add up that you did mm -hmm. way in a, in a good way where you yeah. say, well, that doesn't make sense. How did that happen? Um, yeah. and I'm constantly working to get into that, uh, in, into that state to where I can, uh, repeat the process, uh, naturally and organically and not have to force myself to, but, uh, mm -hmm. uh, Joe, um, just let everybody know where they can find your work and, um, and, and any, anything you want the audience to know before we go. Sure. So, um, this liquid luck book we talked about, you could get it on Amazon, but if you Google it, you, my website would also come up. My official website name is uh, a little hard to do on radio, but it's www. And then the word sync, S-Y-N-C, like the word synchronized. So S-Y-N-C, coupled with the word then creation, C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N.com. So S-Y-N-C, C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N.com. And there you will see a lot of free articles, go under previous articles, discussing tips for psychokinesis, discussing tips for energy healing, for manifesting. Um, and um, under the products part, you could grab one of these downloads. They're under 20 bucks, like the Liquid Luck one that size is recommending and using, one called the Healing Heart. Um, are, two of them are popular. And you slap some headphones on, take a half hour and chill and you probably will experience some of this yourself. So you can begin to explore it pretty cheaply time wise and money wise. And then uh, if you want to go to the big Cadillac plan, then it would be the home study sync creation course. Um, yeah, we got to meet. We got to meet up in Vegas at some point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were at 99 workshops and COVID hit yeah. and we had to cancel number 100 and 101. And yeah. um, I had uh, some cataract surgery this spring, waiting for that to clear, which it's done well. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're going to look at going back out to Vegas at some point this fall or a little later. Cool. Waiting for the airlines and everything to kind of settle down. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, Vegas Venture Workshops and um, are, are on the website too to take a look at that. And right on. Uh, it'd be nice to. Um, be in touch with some of you guys excellent sure. excellent well I know our audience will be very intrigued by all of this uh, once again Joe Gallenberger thank you so much for joining us uh, everybody have a safe week we'll catch you guys next time thank you all for having me on everybody have a good time